Welcome to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast, where we seek to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio. I'm Shane Garcia, and I am back at it again with the troublemaker, the one and only mischievous. I don't know why I'm saying that, Doc. You're a sweetheart. The one and only Dr. Ralph, Doc Rock Antonin. Well, depends who you ask. As If I'm a sweetheart, Shane, there are some people who would take exception with that. <laughs> Even Mama Rock would probably take exception to that. Yes, I do get in the doghouse every so often because I can be, uh, how do I put this, a problem. But uh, I always manage somehow to get back out of the doghouse. Whether it is with Mama or with other people as well. Yeah, I have, <laughs> I've developed some strategies to... Uh, to, so that to help people cope with me. <laughs> See if you can cope. Here's a strategy that might work on Doc, you know. <laughs> Try this one out. I think it's pretty successful, though, Doc. There's a lot of people that like you. I, I will vividly remember. I got two instances that I remember. I remember one day I came out to the radio station last year uh, in the midst of COVID. And you like having your lunch meetups with the students. Even though you're retired, you like having your lunch meetups. And because of COVID, you weren't allowed to make them happen in the station itself. So instead, you did it outside, right outside of the radio station at the Student Memorial Center. And I remember a lady walking by. She said, oh, Doc, Doc. She was waving at you. She was all happy to see you. And then, Doc, I remember a couple weeks ago, we were stopping out of the Millersville University archives. And we ran into a former student of yours. And you two were talking about some ways that you were not only getting into trouble, but some ways that you went to bat for him so that way he can do the things that he wanted to do through the snapper. Yeah, that was interesting. That was totally unplanned. I mean, if, if someone goes by and wants to talk to me, I'm more than happy to talk to them. And the, you were there happened to be, I remember both instances. One was a cross country official, Tina, and the other one was a guy that we busted into uh, Ronald Reagan's visit on, uh, uh, on campus when he was running for president. So those were two two things that you actually saw that weren't planned. They just happened, Shane. They were happenings. You were the crime. I I, I don't know what I want to call you there, Doc. <laughs> crime creator. The crime creator. The culprit. <laughs> yeah, that I was, I, and I usually got someone involved with it. And before you know it, we were both in trouble. Like when I had Mikey Capone develop the goldfish sandwich. You remember that story, right? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and I said, I was innocent. I didn't do it. Mikey made me do it, you know. <laughs> I guess it's always been in my blood, Shane. Well, I think that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast, Doc. You you drug me into this. Uh, did I, Shane? No, because I wanted to do it with you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people do anything that others have them do unless they really want to do it themselves. So, that, I mean, yeah, I drug you in it, Shane. I, I admit it. I'm guilty. You knew that I was going to be more than willing to be a part of this, though. I sort of suspected it. <laughs> but we both have a common love for college radio, and that is the reason why we are coming at you with a podcast. We are on our 26th episode now, Doc. And last week on our 25th episode, the big, what is that? The What's what's that word? Not the centennial, not the golden anniversary. Is that the silver anniversary? I don't know what it is. I mean, it's so long ago since I celebrated number 25. I'm coming up on number 60, so 25 is a long way back. I think it is the Silver I'm not sure. It is whatever I decree it to be, I guess, because I used to, I, Mama will tell you I'm a non-conventional shopper. Sometimes I come home with something and she says, why did you buy that? 
And I said, well, because it reminds me of you. <laughs> Those oldies but goodies remind me of you. Up, up and away was yesterday you told me you had that up, up and away balloon. Yeah, I was sitting at work yesterday and I was listening to up, up and away in my beautiful balloon. Because you always put that in the, the goodbye carts that you always did at the radio station. But hey, let's let's get away. Let's get away let's from get that. Let's get off the topic. We, I, we're digressing today, Shane. We're digressing. Before we, we started to get into a, a whole bunch of different odds and ends, on our 25th episode, we had talked about college radio's influence on student retention and allowing them to put forth the effort, the will, and the drive to complete their degree thanks to the fun that they have at their college radio station. And if a student really develops a passion for college radio, they're probably, chances are, going to want to become a leader at the college radio station. So today's episode really focuses on the element of student leadership. The people that want to put forth the effort to grow the radio station, and not just the radio station, but themselves while they're working there. And we're also going to talk about the people that sign up to be student leaders at the station, but for whatever reason, just kind of decide not to do what they set out to do whether or not they're trying to just put it on their resume or whether or not they lose the track of time. I don't know, whatever the reason, but there's different elements of student leadership that you have to cover when it comes to college radio. And that's what we're focusing on here today. Yeah. That always fascinated me. How could someone not even do their show? I mean, people sign up for their show and don't show up. That's weird, Shane. Why would you sign up for a show and not do it? Or say, Hey, I want to become the business manager or I want to become the chief announcer or the the website administrator. And they'd never put any any effort into doing it. I, I don't understand it because you signed on to grow the radio station. And then if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing to grow the radio station, you're not killing the station, but you're hurting the station for not only your current students, but everybody after you. Yeah, there are a bunch of people in this world who just like to put it on their resume. And they figure, well, I'll just put it on my resume. I don't have to do anything. And that really used to bother me a lot because why would you do? Well, I understand you want to get a job, I guess. So you put it on your resume. And I also understand that that their studies can get in their way or other life problems can get in the way. But still, if you sign up for it, you should probably at least attempt to do it. Well, I always found that my show was when things weren't going well, I could always escape to my show and have some fun. See, I, I, and I understand everyone has bumps in life, everyone, including me, but the radio show was like an outlet, okay? And the radio station was a place to go when even sometimes when things were tough, it, it felt like home. So I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't understand why people, I understand why people do it, but I really don't understand why people do it. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense, Doc. I, I, I firmly believe that makes sense. And you talked about your radio show because radio show, the radio show for the students is where it all begins. They want to come on. They want to be a DJ at the radio station. And from there through station events or just maybe a, a, an interest that develops, the students might want to become a leader at the station, whether or not they want to start small or go big for a position like chief announcer like I did. And they, they might feel they have the qualities in them to become a leader for whatever reason. But, Doc, as the advisor, what qualities did you look for in the students that were coming into that radio station that potentially identified them as future leaders of the station? Number one thing was passion, a passion for college radio. 
Okay, that was the number one thing that I looked for. Did they have that passion? And if you ask me how to, I mean, you can uh, fake an interview. You can fake pa uh, passion in an interview. You can fake it in an election. I mean, we've, uh, the government is a perfect illustration of that. Uh, but you have to have that passion, okay? So I was looking, first of all, for someone who had a passion for being involved. I was also looking for someone that had a little bit of a sense of humor, that could laugh when, when things weren't going well, okay? And I was looking for someone who had some creativity, okay? And I was looking for someone, you're gonna be shocked with this one, who was an attentive listener, who would listen to all sides, wouldn't just yak away at you, you know what I mean? would listen. And that those are the qualities. And, and someone who was honest and, and someone who had a little bit of a, what do I call it? They were authentic. They were what they were and they weren't putting on any airs. They were real. You may not have liked some of their realism, but they were real. How was that enhanced, Doc, through your studies? Because in episode number 25, you had talked about how the university paid you to develop a retention program and to really put forth an effort in developing leadership at the university. How was that enhanced through your paid studies that you had went on your excursions to learn about retention and leadership? Well, I went to other colleges and other universities and I, you know, I was looking at undecided, undecided programs and retention, but I always visited the college radio station on my sabbaticals. I went to tons of colleges and I was always intrigued and every conference I ever went to, I would check out the radio station. I went to South Carolina, I went to Florida, I went to Missouri. Uh, I was all over the globe, so to speak. And I'd always see, I wonder how they do that. In, in, in essence, I wasn't there because I was studying uh, for the radio station, but I always went to the radio station. And I just saw, they always had stickers on the wall and there was always a rebellious quality. And there always was a, a, a sense of, uh, how do I put this? Uh, they didn't like authority, okay? They were rebellion uh, against the establishment and they didn't want to be part of the establishment. So in essence, that's the college paid me to do this for sabbaticals. And I was writing about the undecided program and retention, but I was also looking at the under, uh, underground college radio. So when you went to those college stations, was there anything that really stuck out to you that you carried with you into WIXQ? Not necessarily uh, directly, but indirectly, yes, because I looked at the facilities always looked like WIXQ. They had stickers plastered everywhere. They had uh, they had uh, a DJ. They, there was a certain amount of messiness to the place, too. I hate to say that. Uh, they never had the amount of space we had. That's what I learned, too. They they would we were uh, people don't realize how fortunate we were to have the space that we had. A lot of them didn't have that amount of space. So those are some of the things I observed. Uh, and I was always looking for leader qualities, leader qualities. So when you identified that a student had the qualities to become a leader of the station, how did you work with them? And I have to say here, subliminally or not, because I know you have your ways, Doc. How did you work with them to further develop the qualities and even try to pry some other ones out of them? Well, as you know, the, we had an election procedure back when I started and we had to rewrite the whole constitution because the election procedure just wasn't working. People would run for the two key positions, station manager, program director, and then quit. Uh, they, they ran in the spring and then come the fall, 
they didn't want to do the job. They wanted it just for their resume. So I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I remember we had a tumultuous meeting where Doc said, no more electing station manager program director. We're now going to select them by committee. Okay. And then we set up the committee structure, changed the constitution, uh, everything else. And so that, yeah, I was there. I mean, because when things don't work, Doc's going to try to fix it. And that wasn't working. So we went to the selection process. I'm going to reveal now the true things that I did, Shane. It's reveal all. What trouble can there be? What can they do to me? I used to pick out people after we got the selection process. I said, ah, Keith, uh, why did you run for a program director? I mean, I used to plant seeds in their brain. Kevin Dixo, Disco Dixon, perfect illustration. Kevin, why don't you run for station manager? Okay. So I always knew that I needed strong leadership because I can't do this by myself. I needed good leaders, people who would at least have people who would listen to them, okay? Did it always work? No, no. I got disappointed like everybody else when, when someone ran and they didn't do the job. And it is a job and it is a paid job because they do get some money now for station manager and program director. I did not do that. The student Senate did that. So there is a little financial reward, not much, but I always maintained it was better if there was no financial reward because then the person was doing it for the right reason. Okay, not just for the money, but for the, for the actual uh, passion that they had for the radio station. So yeah, I was there, Shane. I'm a, I'm a, I, I plead guilty, put me in jail. I was a manipulative Machiavellian advisor. <laughs> I remember when Andrew Wheeler first brought that up and said that you were a little Machiavelli and you're like, ah, I don't know about that. But I think you might have embraced that now as time has gone on, because as Andrew also said, Machiavellian tendencies aren't aren't all that bad. No, but they are viewed by people as being very bad. You don't want to be a Machiavellian. You don't want to be a manipulator. But I've learned the world is full of them. And I learned even at the college setting that to get things done, I had to somehow not manipulate, but I had to uh, uh, strategize. How's that? I had to strategize my process <laughs> to make sure that the outcome would happen. And you wanted to make sure that the station was succeeding. And in order for that to happen, the students had to work together because it was their thing. How did you ensure then, Doc? Because obviously you have always said that the station manager and the program director are the two key positions at the station and I'd also like to throw the business manager in there as well, because they got to make sure that your financials are intact and reaching out to local businesses and the community as well. But how did you ensure that the station manager and the program director were always working together to grow the station? Well, see, that was a delicate balance uh, uh, because if you get those high ego people in there, both want to do it their way. I saw it became the buffer. I mean, in an ideal world, you have a strong leader who's the station manager, ultimately in charge, and a program director who understands that the station manager is ultimately in charge. Uh, students wanted to see them as equal. Nah, not really. I had to be the buffer. And you know that, I don't know if you've ever told some stories, I very often got involved between an argument between the station manager and the program director. And I had to be the, uh, what you call it, the, the, the peacekeeper get them down. And the best thing you can do is let's talk about this. I mean, when they get bumping heads and they get off and I said, okay, let me finish my sandwich and let's discuss this matter. Okay. 
because everybody, I have an ego. I mean, let's be honest. I want it my way. You know what I mean? And everybody's got to understand it. And I could relate to that. I could relate to that. So I was able to hopefully negotiate. I also was a negotiating chairman in the union. You didn't know that, did you, Shane? To, to be completely honest with you, Doc, I honestly can't think of whether or not you actually told me that. I feel like you probably did. You've had to have told me that. But actually, I don't know. Yeah, and I was the chairman of the negotiating committee for Millersville on the faculty union, and I learned some skills there because I didn't do the statewide meetings, but I did the local meetings, and I learned how people want it their way, and no one's going to get it totally their way. So you have to have give and take, and you have to have some kind of compromise, and that was always my goal. Uh, I don't know if I was successful at it, but that was what I tried to do. So how did you make sure that other station members were being included in the conversation with the station manager and the program director? Because everybody should have a voice. You know that, Doc. Meetings. Ever heard of meetings, Shane? Meetings are integral. Remember when we would meet at my house? When I was advisor, I would have meetings of the station council monthly and the executive council biweekly at my house. And in order to get people to come, I would give them pizza. Because if you can't give them anything else, give them food. And we would sit in my living room, and there used to be a couple stormy meetings would happen in my living room. Uh, but you have to get everyone's voice out there. And that included about 13 people who had a, have their say between a station and executive council. And you look at those pictures. What are the pictures in the, uh, in the studio? They're pictures of the executive and station council. We had a picnic at the end of the year, and we give awards plaques to reward people. So I basically was trying to keep the station running through these meetings, 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 meetings. Everybody hates them, but they're necessary. You were dangling that carrot. Like you said, in episode 25, you were dangling the carrot in front of them to convince them to put forth the effort to grow their station. Yep. Pizza for the executive council cookies for the station, uh, uh, what was that, the student, the, the other council, there were two levels there. There was the executive committee, and then the, I, I mean, lost track of it, even though I wrote the constitution with, with the help of Greg Park. Uh, there were the other positions, and they would get cookies. And I always, I used in the back of my mind the simplistic thing, would you like to get some pizza? Run for an exec council position. Is that manipulative or what? Huh? Shane, what do you think of that one? Huh? Like it? I am laughing so hard at the background right now. <laughs> but it gets the job done. It gets the job done. Hey, the outcome was always keep the station running. And if it was a little Machiavellian, eh, so be it. But it, it got the job done. There's a reason why the station has existed. And so many people love the station that we know today for its entire 53-year existence. Yeah, and that, I mean... Do I And I love seeing them come back. I mean, I have as much fun with them when they come back as they probably did at the radio station. I love seeing old WIXQers. And believe me, a lot of them are getting old. But no matter how old, Doc, no matter how old and gritty or how young and youthful somebody can be, some people might want to put all their drive into the station and others, for whatever reason, might not be able to do that. How did you work to develop a plan, Doc, that would allow students to step back in, in case things weren't working out to the best of their ability through an elected or selected position? Well, you, you got to think, Shane, you think I had a plan? 
Well, knowing you, knowing you, I don't know if you did actually have a plan. No, I didn't have a plan. I had a, I had a, a goal to keep the station alive. So if anybody asks me, tell them exactly how to do it. I, you just had to do what you had to do. And you had to take a look at each situation as a different situation and say, okay, we got a problem, folks. Houston, we have a problem and we got to solve the problem. And there was no magical pill that I would use to solve the problem. I took every situation as it came and then said, okay, the goal is to keep the station alive. Now I've got to make sure that these two people don't kill each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I got to make sure that this program director, this station manager somehow work together. Or if it ain't working, I got to somehow tell people this ain't working, but I can't come out and do it directly. Not directly, but I'm just saying, I had to take each situation as it evolved. Can't give you a handbook of problem solutions. Can't do that, Shane. Everything was different. When did you make that decision to step in and make that call to get in the way of the students? When I saw the stations going down the tube. I mean, you know, you know, and I know that there are some kids who just are in there to cause trouble. Oh, yeah. And and they have no interest in preserving anything. They just want to get it. And I that's when I had to step in. And I didn't have to do it, fortunately, very often. But... When I saw that the jet station was in jeopardy, I got involved. I got involved. Do you think, Doc, that it was common for students to get into their own way? Yes, because they're not. Where Where did they learn? Where do you learn leadership skills, Shane? Where? Everywhere. Yeah. But when you're a leader, you bring what style you have. OK, mm-hmm. my style was always a relationship style, uh, uh, working together as people that might have been contrary to what some leaders thought. There are leaders in the world who are dictators, okay? And when and, and when you see something that comes out like a dictatorship, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work at the radio station. Even though everybody's re- rebels there and rebellious, they don't want a rebel leader. They want someone who's willing to listen and compromise and work with them. For those that may not be aware, Doc, could you please do us a favor and let us know the different types of leadership styles because there's a ton of them. Well, I mean, my style, of course, is the uh, relationship leadership. There is something called servant leaders. There's something called postmodern leaders. These are all the technical terms. And what I'm really saying is my style may not be the one that you want to adopt. Everybody has to develop a style that they feel comfortable with. And and, uh, you have to be authentic and, and you have to have some kind, basically a leader has to be honest. Have you ever noticed how, how sometimes we distrust some of our leaders and we have reason to. So if you're working to advise a radio station, you have to be honest and you have to somehow get the trust of the, of the students. So I kind of want to get away from the negatives that we were talking about there with students getting in the way and potentially dragging down the station. So let's talk about some positives here, Doc. For you as the advisor, what kind of satisfaction and what kind of reward did you get as you watch these students grow from semester to semester and really become the leaders of the radio station? Oh, that was that was what made it all worthwhile. I mean, when we had our goodbye senior moments and the kids, had, I had take, seen this kid as a freshman or a sophomore, and now uh, i seen he or her or whoever was there grow so tremendously, so tremendously. Because if you really want to know what makes Doc tick, I'm a teacher at heart. I was trained to be a teacher. I think I was a good college professor in terms of, I believe that 
Sometimes it was my fault if students didn't learn, okay? And so I learned so much from students uh, that made me a better person. And then I also really loved to see them come back and, and they were successful in life. You know what I mean? So not only did I see them grow from their first year to their senior year, I saw them as alumni who had been successful. Did I have some people who I, I basically favored? Sure, everybody has favorites, okay? Shane, you're one of my favorites, okay? And I, I wanna see you grow and I wanna see you succeed at whatever you wanna do, okay? So if I live long enough, uh, Shane Garcia will be running a, a radio show uh, that's syndicated and uh, is heard nationwide and, and on all that kind of stuff. I don't know if that will happen, but Shane will be successful at something. Uh, and that was the way I took a look at every single student that ever came through ISQ. Can I help you be successful? Can I help you grow? And then watch and see the outcome. Would you be willing to give me some examples, some of your favorite success stories through WIXQ? Eric Goodmanson, perfect illustration. Came in as a, uh, a young freshman and then won that award for the, uh, where he got $5,000 and we got $5,000 at the station. And he's a very successful businessman today, still in touch with him. Mike Saparetti, who was at one point uh, gonna flunk out of Millersville, turned out to be a very successful person uh, and even became station manager. So these are all positive outcomes that I saw. I'm trying to think you caught me a little off guard. Uh, everybody who succeeded at, at doing it, uh, Judith Dutill, uh, became a very successful program director. And I saw her grow and now she's teaching in college. And, and, and the, the, there's so many that I, Kevin Disco Dixon, I mean, another perfect illustration. Uh, I felt good. I wanted people to succeed. And that was my goal. I want to end today's podcast doc with one of your favorite quotes that's painted on the wall of the radio station. And I think this is important to everybody, not just the radio station. I want you to define this for people who may not very well understand it. But to you, Doc, sometimes, and I know that you've seen this at the radio station, you've seen this in the workplace, and you see it every day. But one of your favorite quotes is, leadership is lonely ship. What is that, and how does that apply to the radio station? Okay, I'm going to be very personal about this. When I led programs... And I made change. Change is scary to people. Everybody fears change, okay? So very often when you're trying to change things, you don't have anybody on your side. I'm going to give you a perfect illustration. You ever hear the name Harry S. Truman? Yes. He dropped the bomb on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Ultimately, he had to do that. I read his, uh, I, I heard an audio book. His, his whole history. He agonized over that. Ultimately, he would be seen in history as the guy who made the decision to drop those two bombs, okay? He was very, very lonely. And if you are a true leader, your goal isn't just to make everybody happy and everybody, you know, well, we're having a ball, you know what I mean? Yeah, you can be happy. But sometimes you've got to understand there's changes need to be made and you're going to be the only one advocating for it. You're going to be all alone. And that is why I always said leadership is lonely ship because there are times 
when you will be the only one advocating for something and you will feel like nobody's on your side. Nobody. Doc, I know I felt that. I know you felt that. And I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast has experienced that at some point during their life. With that said, I think it's beyond necessary to keep it tucked in the back of your head that leadership can be lonely ship. It can very well be lonely ship. And sometimes the hard decision is the right decision. And remember, I agonized always. Did I do the right thing? I mean, if, if you make decisions and don't agonize about the outcomes, because sometimes you fail. I fail sometimes. I mean, I, I, I said, oh, God, why did I do that? You know what I mean? But I, I mean, it is a lonely feeling out there sometimes. And, and when I retired, I knew it was time to retire because I had nobody on my side anymore. So I said, what the heck? I'm going to get out of here because leadership is lonely ship. And I'm, uh, how was, old was I? 72? I'm done. Goodbye. As you told Kevin Disco Dixon, you knew when it was time. Yep. And everybody knows. And, and everybody asked me, Doc. How did you know it was time to retire? I said, I knew. And what will give me some? I said, I knew. You just know, Shane. You just know. Doc, you can't talk about college radio without covering student leadership because that's what it's all about. Student leadership is everywhere within the medium. So for our first go round on this topic, I think we did a pretty good. I think we did a pretty darn good job with this one. Don't you think so? I think we did. We got a little bit passionate. And and I, maybe you said I got a little negative. But hey, if you're going to be a leader, life is not always a bowl of cherries, fellow. I mean, you're going to be out there. You're going to be out there. And it, it's just like you're going to say to yourself, why the hell am I doing this? My life would be so much simpler if I didn't do this. But I mean, no matter where you go in life, you're always going to have to deal with that. It's inevitable. But here's hoping your days in college radio can prepare you adequately enough for the challenges that are going to come. And here's hoping that you're also going to look back on your time with a lot of happiness, a lot of cherishness. No, I don't want to say cherishness. That's not a word. Happiness is the word I used to remember. All the feelings of <laughs> Oh, Doc. <laughs> but as we've commonly said throughout this podcast, we're seeking to provide you the tools to preserve and promote college radio, the medium that we all love so much. And no matter whether or not you're an alumni or a current student, you're always going to look back on your time in college radio with fond memories. And I think this is the perfect time to bring on another element that allows you to look back on your time in college radio with those fond memories. So our next episode is going to drop in October. It's our first episode in October of 2021. And for our home college radio station, 91.7 WIXQ in Millersville, Pennsylvania, our station's anniversary, its launching date occurred in October of 1968. And since that time, our station has held multiple reunions because the station has grown, a lot of people come back and they want to look back fondly on their time at the station. And reunions are a great tool for your students and alumni to connect with one another, whether or not they're best friends, whether or not they're acquaintances, whether or not they haven't seen each other in years and years and years, or whether or not you really haven't even met the person before. It's a great tool for everybody to connect with one another. 
So on our next episode, we're going to talk about the value of reunions for your college radio station and why they're absolutely necessary to preserve and promote your college radio station. I love reunions, formal or informal. When I'm doing my show and someone from the past just happens to wander in, I love that. I love talking to that person who's a former WIXQ. Last week, it was Christina came down with her sister and his and her fiance, and they came to the station. And I just felt, how do I put this? I, I felt great. Here's an alumni, and I, I mean, that's what it's all about, Shane. That's my reward, seeing these people. And it's a reward for them to come back and see their pictures on the wall, to go back in a in a point in time where they were living out their glory days and be able to come back and meet with people that they may have not have seen in a very long time or meet up with their best friends all over again. And reunions can have a deep, deep value. And I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. And so would I, Shane. So would I. So come back next time where we talk about the value of reunions. But in the meantime, you can stay up to date with Scholastic Transmission by following us all across social media at College Radio Pod. And be sure to share the podcast with your friends, your family, and anybody that loves college radio. Now, before we go today, Doc, is there anything else that you would like to talk about in regards to the leadership at the college radio station? Now, Shane, as usual, my ODD and my ADD and my whatever has kicked in. I'm done. I can't go on today. I have to take some rest, sleep time for the old man. Well, Doc, you got plenty of time to sleep because we got another week until we come back for another episode of Scholastic Transmission. So until then, for Dr. Ralph, Doc Rock, Antonin, I'm Shane Garcia. Thank you so much for listening to Scholastic Transmission, a college radio podcast. Class is dismissed.